0: Uh, Even though it looks a little bit different right now, ministry is still happening at the church. We're still caring for people. We're pouring into the community. We're blessing our volunteers, our congregation, our students, and so thank you so much for being a part of that. I just wanted to remind you while we're stepping into our offering moment that there are three ways that you can give. You can give online, you can give via text, or you can continue to mail your tithes and offerings into the church. Again, thank you so much for being a part of community church ministry to our congregation and our community. Let me go ahead and pray for us. God, we are just so thankful for the ways that we're seeing you move. God, and we're just so blessed to be a part of building your kingdom here in Central Michigan. Lord, I just ask that for the money that comes in today, God, that it would just go to where your heart desires it to be, Lord. That we would be blessing the people around us. We would be caring for the people in our community. God, we're just so thankful to be able to worship you together today. In Jesus' name, amen. well good morning everybody community church it's great to be together as we open up god's word right now we're at the very tail end of this series dive in where we had a three week fairly short series looking at essentials if you call yourself a follower of christ week number one we looked at this idea of stop believing lies i hope that's going great for you i hope you've been able to find and identify like these are lies that have been affecting my life. And obedience to that is saying, I'm rid of it. I'm repenting of that. I'm disagreeing with that and stepping into life. Week number two, we talked about stay in the word. This is the Bible. In fact, if you're trying to follow Christ, this is such an essential, and you're not engaging in the word of God, the word of God is living and active. It's like trying to follow Christ and at the same time, depriving yourself of oxygen. So I encourage every single one of you to be in the Word of God every day. Week number three, and that will be today, we're going to be diving into what we're simply describing as start going to church. Now you might immediately think to yourself, I don't know if I need this sermon. I'm dialed in right now. I'm online, I'm going to church. Or when we could meet publicly, you know, you might say to yourself, "Well," I'd go. I would be there. I'd actually attend church. I'm happy to do that. But if you don't mind, let me tease this out a little bit further, because I want to ask the question, why? Why go to church? Think about it. Something that maybe many of us do every single week, perhaps, of our lives. Why would I do that? I think it's a good question. I think it's an honest question. For us here at Community Church, if we could ask you to do one thing it will be this. Come together on a Sunday. Right now, that's in our living room and in our sitting rooms and in our kitchens. But when we get to uh, gather together publicly once more, it would be, if we could ask you to do one thing, it would be that. In fact, we've talked about this before, and I'm going to draw you a little picture. This is kind of an order of priority of what we would ask of everyone who is a part of community church. The first one is simply this. Gather, together. Pardon my terrible handwriting, and my art is going to be worse right now. We have a little picture for this, and that is my attempt at drawing like a pin drop, like on a GPS or on a map, a digital map. If we could ask you to do one thing in our church, it would be Sunday. It would be come and gather together, worship together, uh, submit your life to the preached Word of God, be around brothers and sisters in the family of God. If we could ask you to do a second thing, it would be simply this, grow in a group. And here's our little picture or our little image for that. Again, pretty bad art. So that's supposed to be a little gang of people. Thank you for being so gracious. And then number three, if we could ask you to do one more thing, it's interesting when it's not. We're not really saying. Go to another Bible study. Go to a church event. Go to some breakfast. Go on a missions trip. All those things are great and wonderful, but if there's a th- if we could put this in order of priority, the third thing we would ask you to do is this: go, live, it out. And our little image for this is a traffic light. And green means go. And so we want for our faith to be expressed in the community where we live and not to be constantly, every night of the week, only in a church building when we get to do that. And so today is all about this first image. Gather together, that's what we're gonna be talking about. Today, we want you to engage fully in the family of God. Story of a guy who got out of bed one morning, Sunday morning, and he just announced to his wife, that's it, I'm done, I'm not going to church. His wife was puzzled. He said, she said, why not? She said, I'll give you three good reasons why I'm not going to church, he said. He said, number one, I don't like the building. I just don't. I never have, I'm not going. Number two, he's like, I don't think anybody likes me. I really don't. And number three, I don't like anyone who goes there, so I'm not going. His wife looked him up and down and as a wife can only do, she said, let me give you three reasons why you are going to church today. Number one, I'm dressed and I'm ready, so you're going to church. Number two, the kids are dressed and they're ready, so you're going to church. And number three, you're the pastor and people will be expecting you to go there. So I love the fact that I get to crack a bad joke and there are actually people in the room because for the last several weeks or maybe months, I've been cracking bad jokes, wondering if anyone's laughing at my bad jokes. This is all about going to church. Let me give you three reasons, and I want to acknowledge again author Robert Morris for his work on this. Three reasons just to ask and answer the question, why go to church? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. The presence of God. Now, you might say, I don't have to go to church to experience the presence of God. And I get where you're coming from, because there is an absolute truth to the sense in which we say, Well, God's presence is everywhere, right? The word for that in theology is omnipresence, omni meaning all. And that is absolutely true. In fact, I would say there's maybe even a second level that you could look at God's presence. And that would be the sense that God actually lives inside of us. God has said, I'm gonna reside in you. You're going to be a temple and my presence is going to be in you and go with you wherever you go. But I would say there's maybe a third piece of this. And it's what I would simply describe as the manifest presence of God. Now I love the manifest presence of God. In fact, I need that in my life. There have been occasions in my life where I've come into an environment where the the presence of God was simply palpable. Yes, God is everywhere. Yes, God lives inside of me. But there are times where you encounter the presence of God and it's thick. It's, it's a reality, it's like walking into and you realize, oh, this is a holy place. This is the holy presence of God. I'll never forget, honestly, it was probably the first time in my life, uh, back in my home country, when I was probably in my middle teenage years, and it was the first time I'd ever heard of a Christian conference that was going on in Ireland. And I was excited to go to it. Now, I came from a very, very small church, And this was going to be a gathering of a ton of people. And so I drove drove up to, with my family, to a place called County Meath in Ireland, and there was about 3,000 Christians. Now, I had never, ever been in a room with that many Christians, ever before. I loved music, I absolutely loved music, I loved worship. And there's kind of a hero of mine, he's a fella from Belfast, uh, and his name is Robin Mark. I don't know him at all, I wish I did. Um, but he is the only guy at that time that I knew who was an Irishman who loved God and had published and written his own Christian music. And not only had he done that, but he had done that and actually inserted sort of Celtic instrumentation and tone and style into praise and worship music. We have an Irishman who was writing Irish music for Irish people. I, had not, I just had simply never heard that before and he was leading worship, and the music was fantastic. I mean, it was just tremendous. And I will never forget sitting in what felt like a sea of people listening to this man who was anointed as a worship leader, and he was just leading worship, and it was just affecting me. And I can remember how it just impacted my life. I'd never experienced that. But it was more than great music, and it was great music. It was more than a wonderful mix in the room. It was the palpable, manifest presence of God. And I bet you as you're listening here to me today that you can think of occasions in your life where you know you stepped into a church setting with the family of God and you were changed. You encountered the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. Look at the building of a temple in the book of Exodus. This may be one of the first times in the Bible where we see this idea of a place of worship. Chapter 25. Then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. We really don't have a scripture prior to this that talks like this, that God's dwelling place would be there. It's like God is saying, I want a place to live on earth, to cohabitate with these, this creation that I love. Chapter 22 says this, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you. Now, why does he say that? What God is saying is, when you come together and encounter my presence, I'm gonna do something in that place. I will actually be there. Jesus confirms this in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 18, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, I did see a joke flying around with all this COVID-19 stuff where right at the beginning when we could meet in groups, small groups, someone quoted this as the scripture. It's their version of Matthew 18. When two or three or less than 10 are gathered, there I am in the midst. Well, I believe that even in your home, God's presence could be manifest. But when the church comes together, that is a powerful thing. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It's his presence, and you've encountered his presence before, and it's affected you. Israel, they were, they were sinning in the desert, and God said to, to Moses, he said, Moses, I'm not going in with you to Canaan. I'm not going to go. I'm going to send an angel to go with you, but I won't go with you. And Moses responds, and he says, listen, If your presence isn't going, I don't wanna go. I can't fathom this idea of going into this land without you with us, without your presence with us. It's the only thing that makes us different from every other nation, every other people group. It's the only thing that makes us different. It's the only thing that marks us distinctly from any other organization in the world. Recently, I found myself at a a school meeting for one of my kids. It was like one of those uh, teacher-parent conference-type meetings. And one of my kids gets a little bit of extra uh, education support, and and so I was sitting there, and it was more than just a teacher. And it was a good meeting. Wasn't for any bad reason, just to check in on my kid and how he was doing. And so in the room around the conference table was the principal, my kid's actual teacher in the class, and then there was an occupational therapist, there was a resource teacher and honestly there was like another two teachers in there and i can't even remember their titles they're all doing a great job coming alongside one of my kids and bringing education and support and we got into this conversation and it was about my child it was about education and i love education and i love children and i love my kid and there i am and i got all just riled up in the conversation in a good way i was excited about the conversation and what they were doing for one of my kiddos And uh, man, I just got into it. I can remember distinctly at one point, like I was talking like this because I get passionate about stuff. And I felt in that moment, like I had everyone talking around the table. I was like this close to saying, guys, let's pray right now. I think we should pray. And I realized where I was. I was in a school building. And I actually think two of the teachers, I know them, I think, I'm pretty sure that they love Jesus Christ, but I think one of the teachers is an atheist and there are two other teachers there, and I'm like, I have no idea where they're at. But what was fascinating to me was, it's like, what was going on? And here's what it was. In that moment, I wanted the manifest presence of God in the school. And I didn't quite have the authority or the right to say, Guys, we're gonna do church right now in front of some people who are atheists. Maybe I should have, but they were certainly not prepared for that. But it was something in me that wanted the presence of God in those school hallways and in those classrooms and in that conference room where I was with those teachers. And I know that maybe that sounds silly, maybe that sounds trivial, but there's something powerful about the manifest presence of God. I want it in our schools. I want it in your home, and certainly we find that amongst the family of God in the church. Every other organization in the world is different to us, because when we come together, God himself shows up. Number two, second reason why you should go to church, and it's this, it's the power of God, the power of God. Now, just a second ago, we looked at a verse in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. Let me show you what's in the verse right before that. Here's what it says. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. What an incredible scripture. And then it goes on to the bit that most people are familiar with, and we just read. For when two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, most people, I think they don't put these two verses together. When we come together and we pray, and when we ask God to move in our lives, the reason why he does that is because when we come together, he's right there in the midst of us. We're asking for God's power, and he's standing right there amongst us, with us, with the family of God. It's his manifest presence. And when his presence is there, his power is there. There are so many people who need the power of God in their lives, but check it out. They don't go to church where the power of God is available to them. Every Sunday, I ran the numbers on this. Every Sunday for us, a typical Sunday, uh, not an Easter, not a Christmas, a typical Sunday for community church. If we were to look at attendance, people who actually come to church, and we were to count everybody, all the kiddos, all the visitors, both campuses, a typical Sunday for us would be somewhere around probably 1,600 to 1,800 plus. That's a normal Sunday. So then I did a little bit of looking into this. And I looked at like ways in which we can actually tell, other ways, who exactly is there. And there are ways that we can do that. For instance, for instance um, when you check your kids in, it goes into a computer. And we can say, well, such and such a family, we're here. Or sometimes people sign up for events. Now, So I derived a number from this. Now, this number is extremely conservative because, Sometimes people show up to events without signing up for them. Sometimes people come to church, but their kids, they don't have kids or their kids are grown up. And so this is a very, very conservative number. And I looked at it and I thought, man, if we looked at the numbers of everyone who actually kind of does come to community church like ever, but maybe they come once a month or once every few weeks, if actually everybody all came at once, this is my estimation, we would actually need, on a Sunday morning, are you ready for this, team? Ready for to put on a few services? We'd probably need about five services in Mount Pleasant, and we'd, we'd need at least probably two services in Alma. That's how many we would need. But what's happening is we have people who I think are missing out on the presence of God and the power of God. And I want to challenge you to come to church, actually to say, this is such a priority for me, I wouldn't consider missing it. As we've met here, even just to worship, we recognized, we're trying to kind of keep our distance and everything, Uh, we had a worship time here together. And afterwards we said, man, people are pining for this. We felt so honored to be able to just be in each other's company and to worship the living God. Husbands, I wanna challenge every husband, lead your family in this that this is a massive priority for you. The idea of like, oh, church is an optional thing or maybe we do that or we do that sometimes. Now, lead your family in this. Wives, lead your family in this. The priority of gathering together as the family of God. If you're single, make this an essential part of your faith and self-leadership as you live your life for Jesus Christ to say this is a priority. Church is a non-negotiable for me. I will be counted in the family of God every opportunity that I can. Look at the scripture, Psalm 92, verse 13. Those who are planted, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What's the benefit? Here it is. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and flourishing. And sometimes I see people who are kind of floating around from church to church. And when I see people coming to church who are submitting their lives to the preached Word of God, but they're doing that sort of haphazardly, kind of coming sometimes, every now and again, I actually long for them for what's in that Scripture. I long for them to be planted, established, deep roots, Because look at what the scripture says that you get when you're planted in the house of God. It says that you bear fruit, that you stay fresh, that you begin to flourish. But it's only for those who are planted in the house of God. True story of a couple who were experiencing tremendous difficulty in their marriage. And they met with the pastor, and they met with the pastor again and again, and they had conversations and they tried to lay things out. And eventually the pastor said this to them, and they weren't expecting this. The pastor said, he said, we're done. I don't have anything else to say to you. He said, this is what you need. You need the presence of God in your marriage. And so they kind of walked away. It's a true story. Several weeks later, that pastor was looking out in his church as worship was going on. And he saw that same couple standing there side by side as the worship was going on. And the husband, he had one hand in his air and he was singing praises to God. And in that moment, he took his other hand and he put it around his wife, like right on her shoulder. And the wife, she was worshiping God, singing his praises. And she had this hand up in the air. And when he put his hand around her, she took his hand and she put it around his waist. And there they stood just holding each other with hands lifted high, just worshiping. And after a minute, this is what the pastor saw. He said they turned and they looked at each other. And he said they began to speak. And of course, he has no idea what they said to each other. They just began to speak. And then after a few minutes, they turned back around again. And once again, hands raised, arms wrapped around each other. Afterwards, they said to the pastor, it's a true story. In that moment, our marriage was healed. It was healed. This is the power of God found in the presence of God. Look at the scripture. This one, it just blows me away. Hosea chapter 6. Man, I love this. Also for you, O Judah, a harvest is appointed. It's really short and sweet. Let me say it one more time. Also for you, O Judah, a harvest is appointed. And I'm actually going to speak this prophetically over our church and particularly over our worship. What does this scripture mean? Also, O for you, O Judah, a harvest is appointed. Judah is one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And oftentimes these tribes had sort of specific responsibilities and and duties to attend to. Do you know what Judah's job was? Judah literally means praise. That's what their job was also for you, O Judah, praise, a harvest is appointed. What he's saying is this, I am known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am, this is Jesus Christ, the king of the praises of my people. And in being that title, having that title, What I'm saying to you, Judah, is there is a harvest appointed even just for praise. And and I'm gonna speak this prophetically over our church. The days are ahead of us when we will gather together in the presence of God and with the power of God. The power is going to be released. The church opens its mouth to worship. And in that moment, people will literally come to Jesus Christ, like repent of their sins, step across the line of faith and come to Jesus Christ. We won't even have had the chance to stand up and preach from God's Word yet, and yet a harvest would be appointed. Jesse, Allison, I speak this over your ministry. You're going to get up to lead worship in our church, and, and nobody gets up to preach yet. And I don't get me wrong, I love to preach. I won't even get a chance, and yet this harvest is just going to come in as these people lead us into the presence of God. That is exciting. Where does that happen? I only know one place that happens. That's the church. And I want you to be there. I want you to be around for that. Point number three, final point, the people of God. The people of God. Well, if I have God's presence and I have God's power, do I really need God's people? Because I've met some of them. Are you sure that I really need to be around God's people? And I'll tell you why you do, because His presence and His power flow through His people. Sometimes I wish it weren't that way, but that's the way it is. That's the way God designed this thing. I've heard people over the years, I don't need a church, it's just me and God. I don't need anyone else. God is enough. Jesus is enough. I just need me and the Lord. That's just not the way that God set it up, it's not. Even at creation, everything was good except one thing. He was alone, he was without this other person. He was even with God, he, in fact, he was in perfect union with God, but it still wasn't good. I want you to grasp today what a privilege it is to be called the people of God. And you think about it right now, when it's so difficult for us to actually be together, I think we probably have this newfound awareness and honor and desire to be with and amongst and counted in the people of God. And I want you to feel that today. I want you to grasp the privilege that we have been grafted in. Look at the scripture. It's Peter, and Peter is quoting from Hosea, a book that we just looked at a little while ago. He says this. It's 1 Peter chapter 2. Once you were not my people, but now you are the people of God. Peter's quoting Hosea. Now, there's another guy in the New Testament called Paul, and he actually quotes the same thing from the same book. He's quoting Hosea. So, this is Paul. He's in Romans chapter 9. He says this. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. So here's the scripture that both Peter and Paul are quoting. It's Hosea chapter two, and here's what it says. I will say to those people called, not my people. You are my people. And they will say, and you are my God. It is good to be the people of God. And then Jesus comes, New Testament, and he just reinforces that truth. In fact, he says, the whole Bible is resting on this. He says, it is the greatest commandment. I want you to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he adds to that statement. He pushes further, and he says, and I'm going to tell you the second greatest commandment. In fact, some commentators have actually said, it is equal to it. And he says, it is to love your neighbor, to love people. So let me put this very, very simply. Love God, love people. Let me put it even more simply. Relationship with God, relationship with people. That's where it's at. If you do that, Jesus says, That is the fulfillment of all of the law and all of the prophets. That's the whole Bible. When Jesus was on earth, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. It's the entire Old Testament, the entire Bible. He says, if you will do that, relationship with God, relationship with people, love God, love people, man, everything hinges, everything hangs on that. It's both. You need God and you need God's people. 1 Corinthians 14. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you, look at this language, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. The way you get built up is by someone else's song. The way you get built up is by someone else's preaching. The way you get built up is by someone else's revelation and encouragement and care. And God says, I'm going to give to somebody else what you need. And I'm gonna give to you what somebody else needs. And I'm going to call it the church. I've designed it this way. This is where you're going to be built up and equipped for life. This is where you're going to be given direction. This is where you're going to be given protection. I don't want you just living, it's only me and God. I want you to come together. I want you to actually practice being the people of God. You need to be built up. You need to be given direction. You need protection. Do you know which one the wolf catches? Do you know which one the wolf Is looking for well it's the one on the edges isn't it it's the one who's isolated it's the one on the fray and with all the love in my heart I want you to hear this if you are maybe somehow a little bit attached to community church I want you known I want you loved I want you in the thick of it I don't want you coming every now and again I don't want you on the edge. I don't want you here sometimes and then not here other times because when you're on the edge, you're more vulnerable and I don't want that for you. I promise you, this is not a numbers thing. It's not a pastor trying to drum up more attendance. I don't want to play that game. I'm not even interested in that game. I want you in the heart of the church. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's see how inventive We can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worship together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. The exact same scripture from another version, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Scripture is saying, don't do that. Don't forsake that. Don't give up on that. As is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day, approaching why go to church his presence his power his people we're going to break bread now let me wrap up this series these are three essentials for you and as your pastor could i plead with you dive in like cannonball deep saturated, soaked, all the way down. Stop believing lies. Stay in the Word. Start going to church. And put that into action into your life. Move into that. Commit to those things. Prioritize those things in your life. I'm going to encourage families right now, if you want to gather um, some juice or some bread or anything that you have, if you want to bring those pieces together right now, we're going to move into a time of coming before the Lord and remembering His death on a cross. So I'm gonna encourage us maybe to just have a moment of quiet time right here together. We're going to come and gather our juice and our bread that we have here. And I want you to just examine your heart right now. I want you to come before the Father and just ask your Father, God, is there anything I need to bring before you? Anything that I need to repent of and ask for your forgiveness? And what we're gonna do right now is we're going to remember the cross of Calvary. So go ahead and gather your bread and your juice. We're gonna do the same right here. And in just a few seconds, we'll partake together. Let me read this scripture for you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of this juice together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, for nails in your hands and in your feet. We thank you that you took our place. And right now we remember um, what you did and we proclaim your death, looking forward to the day when you will return again. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we've opened up your word today and even over the last three weeks, that there would be newfound freedom as we are rejecting lies, as we find ourselves ingrained and embedded in your word, and as we find ourselves more committed to the family of God than ever before in our lives. Thank you for calling us to these three essentials. We commit this to you now, in the name of Jesus, amen. God bless Community Church, love you loads.